This is One-on-One's NHL Podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Back with you on WFUV's Five on Three podcast, but today it's just five on two with Chris Hennessy. I'm Jack Caldwell, and of course, we've got to start this show with the Biggest topic going on in the NHL right now, and that is the firing of Mike Babcock, Toronto Maple Leafs coach. And I was personally surprised by it just in the fact that his contract is ridiculous. I didn't I knew it was big. When I saw that it was eight years for six and a half million a year, I almost could not believe that any coach got that. Uh, and that is a guy who loved Babcock with the wings, but Wow, I mean, it, that that's a lot of salary for the Leafs to pick up for a guy who's not going to have any attachment to the team for a long time. No, it's it's a lot of salary to eat up, and it's through 2023, the end of the 2023 season, which is three years from now. So it's a lot of salary to pick up for a lot, for a lot of time for a team who's already cap-strapped who now has to hire another coach. So take the money out of it for a I second. I guess the argument could be the it's not going against the cap it's not going because he's cap. a coach. Exactly. Uh, and the Leafs have plenty of money to spend, but th- that's a lot of money. It's a, it's a lot of money for a guy who's not attached. Just uh, put the money aside for a second. I think it's something that absolutely need might be strong, but is definitely going to help the Leafs because yes. they were going backwards this year. They have less regulation wins than the Ottawa Senators, which is wild to say at any point in the season about the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team who's had cup aspirations for two years now, ever since signing John Tavares, who brought this coach along because they're like, this is the end of our rebuild and a Stanley Cup winning coach is out there. They did the right thing and they comp- and he just he wasn't good enough. So whether or not uh, Sheldon Keefe is the answer, I can't tell you um, where Mike Babcock's going to end up next season because you assume he's going to be coaching and he's only 56 years old. I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is I do think the Toronto Maple Leafs are better today than they were yesterday. And I agree, and I think Sheldon Keefe is a terrific coach. He won an AHL championship. Well, the Leafs think that too because he's been one of the most coveted coaches in the last couple of off-seasons. I know the Rangers, when they were looking for their new coach before Quinn, requested an interview with Keefe. I think the Red Wings did with Blaschel as well. Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I can tell you that I know other teams besides the Rangers have requested interviews, and they've yeah. been denied. And when the Rangers deny were denied an interview, that struck me, I don't know how much longer, exactly. Babcock, because at that point he'd done a great job. But, you know, he is a guy who preaches physicality and grinding, and I don't think he was the right fit for the Leafs, a team that is top-heavy with divas that is really thin on the you defensive and goaltending. You say that, and you're right, and you're right. And granted, you and I could have coached the 2010 Vancouver team and probably won a gold medal, but that team was filled with talented divas too. The 2010 gold medal team, look at that team. But they had more depth. But they had more depth, that's the point. You're talking about the Red Wings who had maybe the greatest defenseman ever with Nick Lidstrom anchoring along with a ton of other great defensive guys, two-way forwards. The Leafs don't have that. I, I think in the end... I think the Leafs are better, have more of a chance to make the playoffs without him than with him. I will stand by that. But in the end, this falls on Kyle Dubas. And yeah. you put a guy... Well, up, and even to an extension with Lamarillo, but more so with Dubas More Dubas, so with Dubas absolutely. The third and fourth lines on this team are dumpster fire. The defense is terrible. Their defense is so bad. They can't kill a penalty. 
I still think their goaltender's overrated. Jackson expect him to win the Vesna, so that's where that's where we stand on Freddie Anderson. Yeah, no, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't. I think he's overrated as hell. I I don't. Think I don't he, think. I think they need another goaltender. I. Their backup goaltending has been a, a washing machine over the past. Just turns around and yep. around and around. And this team right now is not good. You could say um, as much as you want about the Toronto Maple Leafs on paper that they are maybe the best team in the league outside of Tampa Bay. They are not good right now. And something needed to change. If you want to salvage the season, it's got to be soon. And honestly, they don't have enough forwards to to shake up the lines. They don't have enough good forwards yep. to do that. And look, they've been injured. The day Hyman gets back, Marner goes out. But you have John Tavares and Austin Matthews, and they can win you games offensively. And they've had games where their defense has completely lost them the game. Cody Ceci was not the answer on defense. Maybe you thought Tyson Berry was. He's been terrible, and he's more of an offensive defenseman anyways. They've had some good players, but overall, they aren't good defensively. Their best two defensemen, Morgan Riley and Tyson Berry, are completely offensive defensemen. I'm not high on Freddie Anderson. And I can tell you from experience, John Tavares can't single-handedly win you a Stanley Cup. That's all I yeah, know. You, you I can tell you from personal experience, John Tavares cannot single-handedly win you, win you a Stanley Cup. Well, in many senses, the Leafs fell into the perfect position because by firing Babcock, then you have probably the most coveted young coach in the NHL Come right. in and write in and fill, fill in, in his shoes. And, and a we, guy who understands the farm system, too. Which I, yeah, which and maybe well, the big I, thing around the Leafs also is the fact that it was getting toxic, that the media was toxic, the locker room was well, getting toxic. Well, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's well, the same thing. It's, oh, it's, it's the, the story same thing as the year. Pittsburgh Steelers and the New York Yankees. If they're bad, the toxic the toxic media is going to be there because but they Babcock have expectations. is the type of tough grinder guy who can emphasize that. You get him out of there and you get Keith in, who's a player-friendly coach, it can alleviate some of the tension, at least short-term. The, the Toronto media is always going to be a question. Just like when a coach gets hired here who isn't a hockey coach, the New York media is a question, right? We asked the question with Adam Gase, and then his eyes go crazy. We asked the question with Aaron Boone. Well, even Joe Torrey was, was Clueless Joe on Ex- day one. Exactly. So, all right, Joe Torrey was literally called Clueless Joe on day one. He won five World Series. So <laughs> yeah. that so to call it now is a little bit ridiculous, but so the Toronto media is something he has to deal with in addition to this roster. The roster on the top six is better than any team in the league besides Tampa Bay, but that is not good enough to win you a Stanley Cup. Simple as that. Tampa Bay is better defensively, Tampa Bay is better in goaltending, and they have better depth. That's why Tampa Bay is a better team than Toronto. And I know that they're in the bottom of the standings too. I understand that. That's why they're better than Toronto. I honestly don't think John Cooper is that great of a coach either. No. That's why they're better than Toronto and will be for a very long time until Toronto and Kyle Dubas can figure out how to manage a cap. because right Yeah, now and I can't. just don't know how because of the cap. What is the They're move paying, they make to fix this? I don't f- know. $40 million of their cap is tied up in four players, all who play forward. Yeah, how exactly. Is that, so that, where, where's the money coming from? Where's the space coming from? It would really have to be moving one of those guys. Kyle to, Dubas thinks he's running a baseball team right now. He thinks he's running a, cap, a cap-free baseball team that we yeah. can just— That's not how it works. I mean, it, it would have to be moving Tavares, Marner— or Matthews to them trading space. Tavares would set the entire city on fire. Well, yeah, that's not in the and exactly that's not necessarily. I mean, you could argue the move to make would have been trading Marner before uh, the move to make would have been not resigning Marner as a yeah. RFA. Yeah, that would have been the move to make. Marner's Trade his rights. Marner's a great player. I'm not. I'm not saying he isn't. I wanted him on the Islanders. Yeah, but the move for Toronto that wasn't, was to save that wasn't cap the move space. for them because it's, exactly. it's a little redundant. To have that many great forwards and not that many great defensemen. Yeah. 
Uh, or zero defensemen, th- really. Since, since Kyle Dubas has been the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, he has gone for the big fish and not concentrated enough on, enough on depth players, which is not something you would usually say about a GM. But you know what Lou Lamarillo has done on the Islanders? He's gone and gotten guys who play on the fourth line. He re-signed Matt Martin because he knows how much the fans love him. That's a great. That's been a great fourth line once again. He's got Leo Komarov. I don't like Leo Komarov particularly, but when he's out there, he's physical and he plays the game. Toronto's depth is terrible. When the Islanders played Toronto, the third and fourth lines of the Islanders dominated. When even on the even on the power play, Casey Zizekas on the penalty kill dominated. The 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 depth forward is such a key position in hockey, and we talk about it with every team come the trade deadline. Every single, we're going to talk about it with Colorado. We're going to talk about it with Toronto. We're probably going to talk about it with the Islanders too, as much as I'm praising their depth right now. That they need a depth forward to go and win the Stanley Cup, and they and Toronto really doesn't have any. And honestly, they're not going to do well without it. And changing your coach, yeah, sure, it's going to win you some games. But I and people are comparing it to the Blues last year, and I understand that Mike Yo they're got a fired team. the week before Thanksgiving, and it's the same date. I get it. But I don't see it out of this Toronto team. It would, it would go against everything that the Blues established last year, and that's what's with the Blues and the Bruins. It was teams that were deep, that were physical, that played as a large cohesive unit, and that's and the Capitals to an extent. The year before were the same way as were the Knights, and that's what has become the precedent for building a team in hockey is doing that. So to see a top-heavy, offensively-minded team. I mean, that's the exact opposite of that. So for them to go on a big run, in, in many senses, it would be game-changing. That's why I don't think it'll happen. They're going to make the playoffs. It's go, they'll they're, make the playoffs. They're too talented not, to not make the playoffs. And they're, they're not even that far out of – they're like two or three points right, out se- of a spot right now. You have is, Buffalo and Florida ahead of them, who I think they'll blow by Exactly. Eventually. Their season is not over. They will make the playoffs. But when you get to the playoffs, you're going to have to beat good teams, and they're not good enough to beat good teams. Simple as that. I mean, it's pretty interesting, Dubas – the spot he's in. I think he's. I, I honestly think he's thirty-three years been old. Done one of the worst GM jobs, and he's not in the league. I thought from afar, you know, say as someone who's not was not initially incredibly knowledgeable on him when he was hired to take over for Lamarillo. Okay, young Harvard analytics guy. He's not. He. This is not Clearly. someone who is. But when you look at his resume, he's not an analytics guy. He he did not go to you know one of these super strong colleges with these crazy marketing. Or uh, analytics degrees. I mean, he got a sports marketing degree at a public school in Canada. He impressed in the minor leagues and worked his way up just tremendously quickly. And it's kind of interesting. It makes you question why he was hired in the first place. I'm well, reading that it was because Brendan Shanahan wanted to skew younger. Yeah, um, and he he impressed the in the interview. That was the uh, that was the big reasoning was that he was young that he's exciting and that he was incredibly impressive in the interview and presented himself well which is you know something to think about in terms of a life lesson but I don't know that doesn't mean that he was going to do a great job there's it's not a case of the stats proving him wrong it's not a case of you know a Harvard grad taking over it's not a hockey guy this is someone who probably just wasn't really qualified to take over they announced Sheldon Keefe very, I think in the same tweet they announced Bob yeah. was fired, so it didn't give me enough time to create a pipe dream where Brendan Shanahan becomes a coach of this team, which I think would just that be would a, have been fun. Which, which I think, think would be a fantastic addition to the clown show that's been the Toronto Maple Leafs for the last 100 games. Uh, I think that would be hilarious. Um, I think that in that meeting, Shanahan looked at Dubas and said, "You're next," because why not? Because at this point, Shanahan has expectations for this team. He left his cozy job in a New York City office at the Department of Player Safety 
to go and be the president of his hometown team, and it's been embarrassing. So, uh, look, they're a team who's won 40 games over the last three years, so I guess it hasn't been that embarrassing. I understand that, but they're the Toronto They've just gotten a tough break with their playoff matchups, too. History would be different, but... History would be different if they played a different team in the playoffs. I understand that, but I still don't think they would have been good enough to win a cup. Yeah, that's fair. On to a team that has not been embarrassing, and that is your New York Islanders. Yes, sir. So, the last two games have been absolutely preposterous. They are down 3 nothing to Philadelphia, come back, tie the game, win in a shootout. They're down 2 nothing to Pittsburgh, come back, tie it, go down 4-2. Josh Bailey, Ryan Pulak in the last five minutes of regulation go win in the overtime, Brock Nelson. They're the first team in NHL history to be down multiple goals in the final seven minutes of two consecutive games and win them both. Think about that for a second. It's just a team that... That's crazy. I mean, it's it's the epitome of heart and soul. If anything, it's the opposite of the, of the Leafs. Like, you're talking about an incredibly well-coached team, a team that works as a unit, and they all love being there. And they're just... Clearly. It's heart and soul. That's what it is. Over the last three games, Anthony Bovillier has been the best player on this team. Because they're, they're talented. And it's not that they don't have talent, but they're not incredibly talented. They don't have a blow-away superstar. Barzal well, is developing, have, yeah. but... I mean... I mean, they have a guy who in two years is going to be a blow away superstar. And it's yes. showing that every single game he steps on the ice. He wasn't good against Pittsburgh last night or Tuesday night. He sh- at, this, he has shown, at this current point in time, they don't have the knockout top 10, 15 guy. He shows every time he steps on the ice that he is turning into a superstar. He makes the players around him better. Now, Jordan Eberle hasn't scored all year, I know. He missed a bunch of games, but he hasn't made Jordan Eberle necessary, necessarily better this year. But that's coming. Jordan Eberle is a goal scorer. He makes Anders Lee better. He makes Josh Bailey much better. And he is the catalyst that this offense needs every single night. Him and Casey Sezikis are the... Now, Casey Sezikis isn't a superstar, but he's the catalyst they need every single night, I think. I mean, the way he kills penalties is is invaluable to a team. And I think that what Barry Trotz has done to players like Sezikis, who, yeah, was good under Doug Waite and was good under Capuano, but... He wasn't this good. He didn't score twenty goals. He didn't kill penalties like that. Yeah, because he's been outstanding this year. I can't. I can't say enough about Casey. Well, Sanders. it's it's in many senses, you know, this isn't the perfect analogy, but you have to hear me out. Like last uh, chance, you in terms for of Casey Sezikis? No, no, no. Oh. The Islanders in general. Okay. I mean, think about the guys who they weren't all left for dead though. They weren't left a- for dead is strong, but who are overachieving guys who were on other teams or even with the Islanders who are just massively overachieving, who now Trotz comes in, this team builds a unit, and now it seems like everyone's playing to the to the best, if not even better, well, of their yeah, potential. And, and besides, I would say Anders Lee with 40 goals under Doug Waite, which yeah. to think about that is crazy. Yeah. Anders Lee scored 40 goals in the season. Um, I would say everybody else, absolutely. I think Brock Nelson's turned into one of the, the one of the better centers on the on this team. Well, okay, that's ridiculous. He's He's been a very good center, a, a strong number two center on this team over the last two years, a spot where he basically, he wasn't replacing Tavares, Barzal was, but then he was replacing Barzal on mm-hmm. the second center shot. And I think he's done really well with that. That line of Beauvillier, um, Beauvillier Brock, and Broussard has been fantastic over the last 15 games. Um, Beauvillier has been unbelievable over the last three games. He had two goals against Toronto. He had two goals against Philly. He had a goal and assist against Pittsburgh on Tuesday. They play Pittsburgh again tonight. So they are a fun hockey team to watch. They are a good hockey team. They are 
by points percentage, the best team in the league. And in a couple of power rankings that are released this week, they're the best team in the league. And to say that sentence about the New York Islanders is mind-boggling. But well, and, the, and, you know, I get on the Islanders about being the kings of two-to-one games, but, I mean, they can be – they're not just doing 5-4, 4-3, 5 two-to-one game, lost 4-3, 1-4-1. They can put the puck in the net. They can. This is not a team that has to win one nothing or 2-1. to one, No, they don't the have to. The way that to. it sort of felt it, like the, last year. It seems like they can put the puck in the net it's, a lot more this year. And it's opportunity – it's not opportunity scoring. It's scoring at the exact right time. It's – they – in like I'll take the Toronto game for example, they're getting dominated in the puck possession, absolutely dominated in the puck possession all game long. They're not giving up many shots though, because that's what they do. They come right down the ice. Jordan Eberle forces a turnover. Matt Bar's all goal. Perfect timing for this yep. goal. It's now it's one nothing. The entire building's behind. The, bo- the building's been booing all night because John Tavares is on the other bench, and they've been loud. And now Barzal puts one in. Place goes wild. Bang. Isles up one nothing. Isles up two nothing right after that. Then they give up two goals. Toronto comes back. They score two goals in the second. Bang. Bovillia makes it 3-2. They end up making it 5-2. And then a couple defensive lapses in the last 90 seconds. They give up two goals, and they end up winning 5-4. The game winner ends up being an empty netter from Casey Zika. So, I think it'll be fascinating to see how long this can go. Because last year it went on basically the entire season. Why, why can't it keep going? Exactly. Why can't it go until June? But, but like you're saying, it is a, a sense of timing to an extent. Yeah, and right, exactly. And and if, if, Franny, if you see a lot of one-goal games here. You see a lot of good timing. It's interesting. Yeah, and they, I don't think I think it's fair to say they won't be the best team in the NHL in terms of point percentage or points in general at the end of the season. But can they be okay. better than where they were last year, which was fifth, hundred and third, hundred and three points, fifth in the league last year? Yeah. At this rate, I mean, at this rate, they've gotten every point but one for the last month. Yeah, but yes, but yeah. at this rate, yes, obviously. But man, they they are they are fun to watch. They are. Yeah. I'll I'll just put it at that. They are a fun hockey team to watch right now. Their schedule concerns me a little bit, a little bit. Now the they got, NHL schedulers concern me because they were doing well, anything it, but scheduling. For, over forget the it, forget, forget about the dates for a second. <laughs> I'm talking about the teams. Forget about the dates for a second. They got the pits- Isles are getting hosed by it. Yeah, they've played they played five less games than Washington, which is crazy to think about. They played five less games than Washington. It's Thanksgiving. I don't even know how that's possible. Um, but they've got Pittsburgh tonight. They have games coming up against Columbus. Oh, they go out west first. They go out west to play San Jose, Anaheim, and L.A. L.A. is a team you should beat. San Jose is being ter- is terrible this year, and I don't really know why. And Anaheim's good this year, and I don't really know why. So. If you can go now to say they can go two if now if they're on anything but a twenty nine points at a thirty streak right now I say hey go two and one on the road trip you're coming back go three and zero on the road trip at this point you, you've won yeah all well the- that's the that's what's advantageous about the California swing is that the Kings and the Sharks seem like pushovers no no I understand no forget about the teams for a second I'm saying any road trip at all mm-hmm. I would say for a three game Western road trip. I would say, hey, you know what? Come back two and one, two zero and one. I'm happy with that. Come back three and zero because you've won fourteen out of fifteen games. You got twenty nine out of thirty points. At this point, beat every team because you're better than every team right now. You've won every game for a month. Well, I think the problem you could start to get into when you look at the schedule could be jet lag because they, they they're off tomorrow. Then they're in San Jose Saturday, in Anaheim Monday, L.A. Wednesday. Then they have Thursday, Friday off, and they're home Saturday, and then they're in Detroit 
and that Detroit Montreal, Montreal back to back. That that that's kind. Of, that's a rough stretch. That that Detroit Montreal back to back. Yeah, to, me a to cap bit. it all off. Right, but look, and you have a, Thanksgiving wedged in there, so you you got to imagine the players are going to go home and then go back out. Maybe. Uh, as, well, no, th- Thanksgiving's in between the. Well, it's um, between L.A. and then coming home. At, yeah, so, so they'll be home. They'll be home. Um, but as I said on, uh, I don't know when it was, two or three weeks ago, I am confident they can beat any team in the league right now. Yeah, I have no, re- that's I have no fair. reason. You have, the right, you have the right to be. The- I have no reason not to be, right? I'm confident they can be. I, going into any game. Now, look, for I'm, how old, I'm 19 years old. For 19 years, I have never been confident they've been to, for them to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins outside of maybe like game four of last year. I. I there are teams, there are certain logos that the Islanders just don't beat. Yeah. The Penguins, the Flyers, the Rangers, you know, the Maple Leafs, for to, to name a few. And they've beaten all of them. They haven't played the Rangers this year. But they've beaten all of them. Yep. And for the first time in a very long time, I am, ex- I am beyond confident in the New York Islanders to win every single game they play. Every single game they play, they have the utmost chance to win. For the first, you could say that last year. But there was a lot of oh well, like Robin Leonard's just this good. Uh, this year, for some reason, I just feel like they could win every single game they play. And I mean, they have won every single game they played. So, well, how yeah. about a team that's been the opposite of that? It's just been all over the place. But they were exciting last night. They looked like they could beat anyone last night. They did the look Capitals. like they could beat anyone last night. Thank you for beating the Pittsburgh, the the Washington Capitals, by the way. Because now the they finally like, we've been talking about the Islanders' point streak for weeks now, obviously because we're in New York. Washington was on some sort of point streak of their own, and the Islanders picked up like barely any points in their win streak. Again, I think the Capitals were nine zero and one when the Islanders were ten and zero. So, thank you for beating the Washington Capitals tonight. It is greatly appreciated by your your brothers to the south. Yeah, I think the Rangers are pretty much shaping up to be kind of what we thought they were going to be. When you're that young, when you have that much new talent, you're going to be up and down. You're going to lay some eggs like they did in Tampa. And lay some eggs. They lay up nine goals. And, oh, they, they pulled. The, they pulled the goalie twice. They, uh, they pulled. Think about <laughs> that. They pulled the goalie twice. Well then, on, well then you come out. But that. no, this team has heart. I think Quinn has got his hands on the reins. I think the Heedle getting sent down to Hartford worked, and we'll talk about Anderson in a minute. But Heedle's playing like a Hedl's man possessed, great. and it, it, he looks like it. It worked out perfectly. As is Ryan Lindgren. Lindgren and Fox have been terrific. Truba, much better game. The whole defensive core just looked much better last night, and it looks like Hank can play on his A game as long as I. They're going to have to figure out the resting. Uh, in the beginning of the season, it was looking like both Lundqvist and Georgiev playing two to three games at a time. They can't I don't like that. that. I like that. it was too much time off. Then they were playing too long. I and they'll figure it out, but it's looking like it's going to be more of a two and then one with Lundqvist two, Georgiev one, and that I'm a fan of. Yeah. The only thing is how long till you run out Lundqvist, stamina-wise, excuse me. Yeah, um, but then I think that would be their point. But then point you could with- switch to 2-1 and one the other way, and you could. You're co- are you confident in Georgiev to, to, to get a couple wins for you? Cause yeah, I, I, I would I'm be. very confident I would in be. Georgiev. I'm very confident in, I mean, I, he hasn't played in the NHL yet, but Chesterkin's lighting the AHL well, forget, forget about Chesterkin. He's not on the team. He's not going to be unless somebody gets hurt. They could trade Georgiev. They could. That's true. They could. Well, uh, what- that probably comes in the summer, but... Uh, but yeah, I feel very confident in both of their goaltenders. To me, it's the defense. Yeah, their defense is terrible. Their defense—they let awful. on way too many shots. They let on—they let on the most shots in the league by far. 
Their defense is awful. We I went over this last week. I went through all of their defensemen on the roster. You weren't here. I don't know if you heard it. I went through every defenseman on the roster and basically like, that person is terrible at hockey. They stink. I was like, Jacob yeah. Truva hasn't been good this year, and Adam Fox is really good at hockey. Everybody else is Fox terrible. is great. Lindgren is great. Shea has been really bad, but he had, he had a great game last night. He statistically, I think, was the best defenseman last night, although it was a Wednesday, so no one was really playing. <laughs> but uh, D'Angelo... He is what he what he is. He can be one of the best offensive defensemen in the league if he plays up to his potential and develops. But he also is terrible on his own end. But he has a good game last night. But like I said, you're gonna have your Shays, your D'Angelos, who are gonna be inconsistent. You need Truba to be the lockdown guy, which he really hasn't been. He hasn't been. It's November. I he know. can still come around. I, I think know. there's aspects of Lindy Ruff's system where Truba's best as a puck carrier and his system doesn't allow him to do that, which I'm really not a fan of. Um, and I, I think he'll... I, I don't, I'm not concerned about Truba long-term. Um, yeah, I mean, this team, when you look at them right now, 20 points. Uh, they're in seventh place in the wild card, but they're only two po- uh, three points back of a playoff spot. So, I mean, that's what it's going to be. I don't think they're going to be in a Detroit, New Jersey, Ottawa situation, you know, hanging around the bottom of the league. I think they're going to be middling fringe playoff but miss out. And I, that's what they are right now. So they are right now. <laughs> they can beat a lot of good teams. They can also clearly. lay eggs. And they can lay eggs. Like, I'm looking at their schedule right now, and I can't confidently tell you win or loss on any of these games, except for maybe at Boston. I can tell you they're going to lose. Yeah. Every other game, I have no idea. Oh, they, yeah, that's that's the story with the Rangers. They've you gotten crushed by Ottawa, they've beaten Ottawa. They could get killed by Montreal, they could beat Montreal on a back-to-back on the road. Minnesota's awful. They could come into the Garden and win. They've beaten Carolina, they've lost to Carolina. Boston, they're, I think they're going to lose to on the road. Yeah, so you've got in Ottawa, I mean, you beat the Senators and then you lost to them. <laughs> so that's 50-50. The Habs, I'd say, is 50-50. I think the Rangers can beat any team at home except for the Bruins, but... Uh, Wild, I'd say he's 50-50. Kane's 50-50. I'd say they lose in Boston. And they, uh, they should beat I mean, New Jersey. Every, t- every team's 50 but then they, they lost badly to the Devils oh, in I New know. Jersey. I know. So it, it it's a toss-up, and I think that's what this team is. It's going to be 50-50. It's going to be a 500 team. The key is to see development, and I think the development's been Actually, it's turning out pretty well so far this season. Kako is making major strides. Yeah, he's scoring some Panarin goals. Panarin is playing. He's brought his game to a whole other level. I mean, Kako's now emerged in the Calder Rookie of the Year talk. Dude, Kale McCarr's got that locked down. It's November. I know. And I'm saying he's emerged. I'm not saying he's the front runner. Being a beast. But Kako has been playing really well lately, even though he got the flu. Uh, like I said, the AHL send downs worked in Hedl and Lindgren's favor and now it's going to be interesting to see with Leas Anderson because the, we talked about this guy every week I mean well the big, pl- the big theory now is that Quinn and the Rangers did not want him on the NHL squad in the first place they wanted him to develop in Hartford he played too well in the minors for them to place him in the AHL and uh, he basically did not give him an advantageous situation to do well send him down to Hartford and then see if you can light a fire under his rear end. Because he, he was slu- slugging. Uh, slugging is not. He was playing sluggishly. That's the word. Is. The last, like, five games. He was also playing games, with Michael Haley and Brandon Smith. He was basically playing with AHLers as it is. But the last five games he was up, I think he was a healthy scratch one game. There were reports of him and Quinn having disagreements. I mean. I would have disagreements with him, too, if I was playing with Michael Haley in the NHL. There, 
there were some he he was not playing I don't think he he wasn't playing better than Heedle. No, he, he wasn't. wasn't playing better than Strom. No, I, I mean, understand that, but the point of the season, as you you and Jackson and Jimmy have said a million times, need isn't to, to win games; it's to develop players. And I think so the best put him thing with guys him, who are good at hockey. But this you, is a very simple. But concept. you're not going to put him above. Obviously, he's a band of Jad. You're not going to put him above. Been hurt. Put him in the The, only, the spot. only guy you could put him over is Howden. And look, I think giving him top line minutes in the AHL is the best thing to do right now for him. Uh, it. I mean, it almost comes down to the kind of pick they made because you you see they made the seventh overall pick, basically traded Antti Ranta for that pick, and when you look at it, Antti Ranta or Derek Stepan? Well, it was both. It was but both. It was Stepan and Ranta for the seventh pick in D'Angelo. Got it. Um, so you get the seventh overall pick. There were guys who were picked before and after Anderson, who were guys who were put the puck in the net. Anderson was always a two way center. He was never the guy who was going to be the the sexy superstar. Fine, your defense. When they made stinks. that pick, your defense is. I'm not terrible. saying. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but you know, I don't know if he's the. It'll there's trade swirling around his name. Uh, you can't trade this guy. He's played in basically zero NHL games. That mean I put him. You know what? Throw him out there for a second period between Panarin and Kako. Just see what happens. Why not? You're not going to the playoffs. No, You're I not winning disagree. the Stanley Cup. I, I, Just do it. Just see what happens. I don't. This is what I don't understand well, about well, the Rangers. Well, Quinn proved that sending Heedle and Lindgren down worked. If you do it with Anderson, now, I'm look up who's for Heedle's, it. Who Heedle's playing with Buchnevich? That's going to work. When you're playing yeah, with Michael it, Haley, you are going to be good. When you're okay, playing with yeah. Pavel Buchnevich, no, you're going to get assists. I'll agree with you on that, but I, I'm down to see what they... Because long-term, what they've done in terms of development with Kako, with Heedle, with Lindgren, with a lot of the guys, pretty much everyone except Truba, and he's not necessarily a development priority, has worked so far this season. They're no. all trending up right now except but for then Anderson. they come up and they play with real hockey players. This is what I don't understand. You Through training camp, through all of last year, you said Leah Anderson is good enough to be on the New York Rangers. Fine. Great. He was a seventh overall pick. I would hope so. And you bring him well, up. Well, I didn't say you, that last year. He stunk no, last year. In, in general. It, <laughs> this, this year, fine. He's good enough to be on the New York Rangers. You bring him up, you put him with terrible players. Like, wow, you're playing really terribly, Lewis Anderson. Well, gee, I wonder why. You're not winning the Stanley Cup. You're not. So I don't understand. Yeah, I don't get why, why they couldn't you have given just him. Don't take, the, take the lines, like one shake period. it up, and throw him against the wall. Why not? Why not, David Quinn? That's a question that should be asked at a press conference. That was why the, not? Well, it was asked a lot. I just don't get why one period. Like, that's all it had to be was, like, one period play. He, does, he doesn't have to be with Panarin. Put him with Puchnevich and Brendan Lemieux for one Wait, period. That, that's all he needs? And see what he that's can it? do. I, that it, it doesn't make sense to give up on Leah Sanders. That's my point. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, but I don't think sending him to the AHL, the, when you see what they did with Heedle and Lindgren, I wouldn't call that giving up, and I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and see what they can turn long-term because everyone else is trending up right now, and it looked like they didn't know what they were doing. They were trending down, but it seems like some of their mad science has worked so far. So now Quinn and Gorton have proved to me they do know what they're doing more than I thought, more than especially than Jackson thought. Uh I think Jackson thinks he could probably coach the Rangers <laughs> right probably, now. Probably. But, um, yeah, I, I believe in Quinn more than I did at the beginning of the season. He's proving to me his ability to coach. I think last night he did a tremendous job with the team. So I'm willing to see what their what their plan is in store for Anderson. Yeah, um, I think you can't give up on him on the NHL level. That's all I'm saying. That's all my – I. 
but settings, sending him to the AHL is fine. not giving up on him. That's no, what I, I would say. But the trading, the trading him is a little bit too far. That's my yeah. But it just depends upon how much you're buying into those rumors. But right. speaking of rumors, how about one last segment right. on uh, Greg Wyshynski, ESPN, like their top hockey columnist, um, today coming out with a column basically saying that NHL needs to increase scoring. And when I first read that, I said. You know, not really. No. Scoring's actually up. But in another sense, this season, 72% of players who have skated in the NHL have scored. That's the highest since 91 uh, when it's been spread spread out that much. And Wyshynski's point was basically not that we need... Oh, we don't need seven to six hockey games consistently. But what we need is in 91-92, uh, when that was the deal... Solani scored like 76 goals and Lemieux was putting up 160 points. And you need your superstars to jump off the page a little bit more than they do right now. And to have the best players in hockey scoring, you know, 45, 50 goals, which is not that much more than a guy who would be mediocre who's putting up 20, 25. You know, it's interesting if you what the solution to that would be. And I don't agree with what Wyshynski said. Uh, he said four and four full-time, which I don't like. He had a couple four and four getting rid of offside, which I don't like Getting rid of offsides all. I've seen before this column, and I think it's a terrible idea. The other, if you want to get rid of offsides, go play all the cross. That's two, the end of yeah, the argument. Two-minute penalties, going the full length of two minutes, that wouldn't make too I, much of a drastic change I don't hate me. that, but it wouldn't take I'm fine with change. it. Yeah. You would have once in a blue moon where a team would score twice. Exactly. But... You know that might add people five go, goals to the right. end of the season. Teams go double minors without scoring. Teams go all the major time. Penalties go scoring, teams go so. five on three for two minutes without scoring. Exactly. It, you might see five extra goals per team go up. Maybe, I mean, yeah, over eighty-two games. Absolutely. If you want to see a season where McDavid's putting up seventy-five goals, which I actually think would be awesome, it'd be great. Look, if Connor McDavid scored seventy-five, you want to see him jump I out. Would, you want the superstars to be bigger than what they are. I'd be all for it. Here's the thing. Goaltenders today, and for the last 20 years, are infinitely better, in my opinion, than the goalies that Wayne Gretzky played against. That's not taking anything away from Wayne Gretzky. He's the greatest hockey player who ever lived. Nobody in 2019 or in the immediate future will ever score 92, 87, 73, 71, 62 goals. Ever. No, never. Or and, 212, uh, two, 205, 208, 196, 183 Well, keep points. in mind the rules with the crease, too. I mean, you used to not be able to go, what, really within like five feet of the goal. And now you can, I mean, you have guys right, right. up and into it. So, if anything, it's more advantageous for guys to score now. Uh, part of it is the pads. And I know that they're continuing to whittle down on how large your pads can be. We don't really know how strictly they enforce it. Um, but really... It's also Something it's also the tech, the technicality of it. so like think about this right if you watch an a Wayne Gretzky highlight now again I'm not I need to say this again because people are gonna turn my words I'm not taking anything away from Wayne Gretzky he's the greatest hockey player who ever lived watch a Wayne Gretzky highlight and watch how the goalies play well or they're watch, not playing with the, the butterfly Miracle. watch the movie Miracle the butterfly changed goaltending and watch forever. how Jim Craig plays yeah that is the least efficient way I've ever seen somebody try to stop anything in my and entire that's life. how it was played for eighty how, years that's how everybody played that's how everybody played now watch now go watch Game Seven in the Stanley Cup last year arguably one of the great goaltender performances we've ever seen Jordan Bennington was fantastic. And the the difference between Jim Craig and Jordan Bennington in those two games. Yeah, well, I mean, watch if, the difference and tell me that more goals aren't scored on Jim Craig because they are. 
a lot of people speaking. It, it's it's the butterfly. The butterfly method is so much more efficient. It's so much. I don't know better. how we went so long without the butterfly method. Honestly, I'm surprised when I see clips from the '90s and Dominic Hasek's butterfly hasn't got or is, yeah hasn't hasn't. Well, you know, I think really part taken... of it was that the pads were so thin and that the shots were coming so much slower because they were from wooden sticks and further out because of the crease. It was just easier for. I guess the goaltenders to be more athletic, and a lot so. of people would argue that that's more fun to watch. And I wouldn't disagree. I wouldn't disagree. It's kind of fun to see him flop around. <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of fun, but it, it's it looks ridiculous. It, it does. looks absurd. Yeah, uh, it is. It is more fun to. I would like to see a little more athletic goaltending. I mean, the goaltending now is generally not. See the save Flory made the other night. Uh, no, there is athletic goaltending, yeah. and there are blowaway saves. But generally speaking, goaltending is not entertaining to watch they don't have to move a tr- it's a quick flinch i'm not taking anything away from the skill because i couldn't do it for my I, life I, but, I played hockey and i never once wanted to step in goal but watching you know lundquist say 80 percent of the saves he makes he's flinching three inches to his right or left right that's not as en- nearly as entertaining that's the one thing i would say what can you do to mix it up a little bit and part of it is because they can't move that much because they have so many pads on. Right. I mean, look at their jerseys. It's ridiculous, all the pads they have on along their sides. You're also not chest. outlawing the butterfly. It's literally impossible. No, you're how not you, outlawing. How, you're not doing that. How could you possibly I would outlawing? say I would just say whittle down the pads even more. But now you're start in a to safety get into safety. Issue. Right. Now now you, you have to realize that we're in a new time where safety is so important and concussions are so important and long term health of players. You need guys to make those chest saves and they right. can't do that if they're not wearing anything exactly. underneath exactly so it's a tough issue it's a tough issue now i honestly i honestly do not believe that 212 points will ever be broken in the history of hockey i think that's 50. no and i don't think that's what you want to aim for but that's is, is it unreasonable to say that the leading goal scorer should be able to score 70 goals honestly yeah i do okay so if you were to look at the last what was the leading goal scoring number last, last year? Couple, was like sixty? No, not even close. I think McDavid had fifty something. Oh uh, no, Kucherov had f- over yeah. fifty last year. Yeah, there was the one year that McDavid was the only player to get to a hundred points. Yeah, um, and there was a the one year he won it with a hundred and eight, and only one other player got to a hundred points. Uh, in terms of Rocket Richard, it's been Ovechkin pretty much every year forever, and he always scores over thirty goals, but he never has a. I don't know how many goals his max is. Alex Ovechkin, but it was definitely earlier in his career. All right, yeah. So if you were about, to go the last Ovechkin, last couple years, last year Ovechkin fifty one, Ovechkin forty nine, Crosby forty four, and then all Ovechkin fifty, fifty three, fifty one. The most goals, Stamkos with sixty in twenty twelve. Alex Ovechkin is the best pure goal scorer of this generation. I don't think that's really up for debate. The most goals he's had in the season is sixty five, and as I said before, Gretzky had over ninety. Yeah, so you see Solani in the year we're talking about, 76 and 92, 93, and then after that, it's a steep drop-off. I mean, no one really ever touches 60 after that. And look, you're right. Maybe to say the best goal scorer should be able to score 75 goals, okay, maybe that's a stretch, but I I think you do. It's an age of superstars. That's what it's all about. And I think you need to have the superstars be able to score a little more than 45. It was also, you have to think about it this way, it wasn't only it was basically mainly only Tamu Solani who was scoring that many goals, but Alexander McGillney was scoring scored seventy six goals in nineteen ninety three for the Buffalo Sabres. He's not even in the Hall of Fame. He scored four hundred seventy six goals, four hundred seventy three goals in his career, and seventy six of them came in one season. And you can't tell me that that is beneficial to the to the league. No, I 
right? Like, sure, you can have McDavid and Crosby and maybe, like, I don't know, who's somebody else who could score 75 goals in the league? Kucherov. Ovechkin. Ovechkin. You can have those guys score 75 goals, but, you know, the second that Clayton Keller starts scoring 75 goals, you're like, okay, well, he's good, but he's not that, he's not that good. He's not yeah. as good as Conor McDavid. He's not. Not to take anything away from Clayton Keller, he's a great player. But the second he starts scoring 75 goals, that's that's where you get into some some wishy-washy territory right there. Uh, yeah, well, I think it just comes down to what can be done to ensure that goal scoring throughout the entire league doesn't go up, but something that's the slightest of edges that the best players could take advantage of. I just don't know. It. I honestly don't even think we need it. I think that Connor McDavid is... If you aren't, if, how many people really know about Connor McDavid? You though, who are, aren't hockey fans. That, that's not that's not because he's not scoring seventy five goals. How many people knew who Tim Solani was? That's not that's not because of the number. That's because of what we've talked about a thousand times in the show. The way the NHL markets its players and markets its good teams is terrible, and they keep putting the Rangers on Wednesday night hockey, even though they stink. That <laughs> and they keep putting, putting the, a New York team isn't the worst. And they keep thing. the Flyers on. Fine. I want to I want to watch Connor McDavid. I wanted to watch Connor McDavid last night. I was stuck <clears> watching. Uh, Brett Howden. So I don't know about you, but that wasn't great for me. Anyway, so that's not the point. Uh, I don't think that it needs to be done because if you follow hockey in any capacity, you realize how good Connor McDavid is. And we're in the age where I can wa- I can pull up Twitter and watch any Connor McDavid highlight I want right now. And to me, that's more important than the box score saying 76 goals. Is that I here sitting that's in the Bronx fair. or sitting in Connecticut can look on Twitter, look online, look on YouTube, and watch the best player in hockey do his thing, which he did last, uh, was it last two Thursdays ago? No, when did we go to the, oh, we, it was last Thursday, it was a week ago today. He had three goals and three assists, yep. and Edmonton scored six goals against Colorado. So he gets a point on every goal Edmonton scores. They win six to two, I think it was. Yep. And, uh, to, re- to, to not appreciate, to not... I don't want to say with Schusen, um not with Schusen, that's a different person. I don't want to say that he's that this is saying that McDavid is bad. I, that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is if you're only appreciating him for the number in the box score, you're not watching the game. Yeah, that's, that's totally as, as simple as that. Totally fair. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Thanks for listening to today's five on three for Chris Hennessy. I'm Jack Caldwell.